Welcome in to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's another Inside Carolina Podcast host right there, Taylor Vipolis, up in the rafters fame, Justin Jackson fame. Who would be good to hear from Justin and Dewey tonight, but it'll it'll have to suffice for Dewey and I. 7 p.m. games are not good for either schedule. say know what to start out so i'm gonna punt it to you <laughs> get your go-to thoughts right out the gate i mean the scoreboard will look a lot better than it was for sure but yeah yeah you can you could spare me the last four and a half five minutes where where the team did start to show some fight uh if if you care about north carolina basketball this was a demoralizing game I think it started last night when you watched the Duke-Miami game, and a lot of people were saying Duke kind of had a hangover. Miami was just a better team. I, I think that kind of fits the message that me and Dewey were saying. Like, Duke is is not a good team. North Carolina proved that they are also just not a good team. That rolled over into tonight where Wake Forest was just essentially getting whatever they wanted. The We could get into it later, but – the defense Carolina was playing the the drop coverage. It was, um, it's it was essentially just spotting Wake Forest points, and it took them a, a really long time to to get out of it or or even try something different. The offense, it's they they can't shoot. They have guards that are going to turn the ball over. Uh, they don't run in transition. It, it was just a. Uh, I described it on Twitter as this Carolina team is blood in the water where teams can see teams go into games knowing their weaknesses and they're able to expose each and every one of them. And, uh, and t- until something drastic changes because the roster isn't changing, this is, this is the roster Carolina is set with. Uh, it, it just feels like more results like this are going to happen, especially on the road when you're in these hostile type environments. Yeah, and let me first of all shout out Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com, and everybody. I assume almost 300 people here um, are subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you're not, go ahead and do it. Subscribe to the podcast channel, all that good stuff. Leave us a review, rate us, review us, and all that good stuff. Whatever, whatever you want to say. I love reviews, love feedback. So by all means, I'm on to uh, hat tip to producer John um, from On the Beat Live Fame. He tweeted out, and I thought it when it happened. Carolina trailed 9-12. to 12. It was 13-52 left in the first half. Leaky Black gets a run out. And I'm not calling out Leaky in particular because this is a, a system-wide failure. He gets a run out, and he didn't really sprint to the dunk, allowing Appleby to come in and knock it away and get a foul. And Carolina got zero points out of that. And my thought, Vip, and I want your take on it, and maybe I'm being too micro here, but I was like, that that sums it up. You've got a dunk from a veteran. Just sprint out, rip it, get back on defense. You're down one and got a little bit of momentum, and you're feeling good about yourself. I thought that play pretty much summed up this team for me this year, basically. Yeah, I think I think summed it up is the perfect way to describe it. I think 
going through his thought process, it was he gets a steal. He assumed Wake Forest was just going to give him an easy basket. It's kind of the the problem with this Carolina team that we've talked about at times where they go into games, they assume teams are going to just roll over for them because they're North Carolina, because they got to the championship, when it's the complete opposite that going to the championship last year was this massive target on their back. And it, it goes back to the, the point we've made it about football a couple of times where everybody could see how big the target is on your back, except for some of the players on, on this North Carolina team. And it's, it's the, my, my fear from this game is that the last five minutes or so you're going to hear in the post game press conferences, like we're, we're trending towards the right direction or, or the same status quo we hear after performances where it's just the same results happening time after time. And I think, yeah, Leaky is like a, a pretty specific example because I remember in the first half, I was thinking Tyler Nickel doesn't play at all in the first half. I, you can check the, the plus minus. I don't have it in front of me. I, I think he was plus seven or plus eight the last time I checked um, before they started getting into that foul fest. Um, and I think there's there's two things that I think you could fault Hubert Davis because I think a lot of the, the blame has been put on the players. The two things that I would fault him for right now is one, stayed in stayed in that drop coverage way too long. They're getting they're getting screen a good screen and drop coverage. The guard is essentially just dying on the screen in trail position and then a good guard like Appleby, like Wong from Miami, like Burton from Pittsburgh, they're going to be able to pick you apart when you have Armando Baycott or you have Jalen Washington dropping that far back into coverage and Somebody, somebody from the Carolina staff scouted to say, we have to be playing this drop coverage. And you, you saw pretty early in that Wake Forest game how bad it was. And they didn't really get out of it until they went back into the locker room and, and they could make adjustments. And then the second problem that you kind of have is just a, a loyalty to a fault where somebody like Tyler Nickel doesn't play at all in the first half. He comes in in the second half. Carolina starts to look a lot better. People have been asking for Puff Johnson. Puff Johnson, I think, is a little bit different because he has been hurt, and I think there is more of a willingness to get him involved. But when when Carolina keeps having the same problems, people are like, let's let's see see things from the bench, and some some of that's not going to work. Like Jalen Washington wasn't the answer tonight, um, especially in that drop coverage type defense. But you have to have some willingness to change things up, especially when. Carolina is getting these results where they have dropped three straight games. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought in the first half, and, and Dewey and I were texting during it, in, in the first half when he put the subs in, he went to the bench relatively early, and Wake Forest just destroyed those guys out there. I mean, it was it, there were no let up. I do agree about Nickel. I, I think Nickel needs to play more. Um, if for anything, he was plus eight tonight, and we've talked about the plus minus is not really a thing um, overall, but in a small sample size, he was plus eight. Puff is plus four. The only other person not negative. Well, Pete Nance was plus three, and Caleb Love was 
even. Uh, and there's some discussion in the chat, and quite frankly, in the first half, um, and I tweeted it, we're going to see if this team's quit. And I think the answer to that is clearly they have not, even though I do equate the second half, especially late in the second half, uh, to scoring a couple touchdowns late in a blowout. And that's what I felt like watching that. And it was interesting how Wake Forest just continued to stay off the gas and let North Carolina get back in it or get some semblance of being back in it. But Vip, looking at the numbers, and we talked about this last week, Carolina ends up shooting 41% for the game, but they were under that for a long period of time. I mean, they're just the worst shooting team that there's been. Uh, They're in the top three or four ever at North Carolina. Is there any reason to believe that something can change? Because one thing we have seen, and this is what I want you to talk about, is we haven't seen any change from the coaching staff as far as the style of offense. Maybe there's some small minor tweaks or whatever, but I think what we've seen is what we've gotten, basically, um, especially in the last month or two. There's just no difference to to make me believe that this is going to improve, to your point, other than playing some different bodies. Yeah, Carolina shot four of 18 from three, um, and Caleb Love was four of the only four threes that Carolina made. I think Tyler Nickel and Puff would be more shooting to get into a lineup. And the reason why their percentages really don't match that for, for the eye test is because they're not really in the flow of the offense. They don't have the chance to be high volume guys like Caleb Love or, or like RJ Davis. But I, I think the, the one problem you do have with Tyler Nickel, and you saw it at the end of the game when, when Hubert Davis was going offense for defense, subbing out Nickel anytime they, they did score for Seth Trimble, is Nickel's inability to defend. He, he really hasn't shown the ability to defend. And the problem with this Carolina team is you have R.J. Davis, you have Caleb Love, and those are already two guys that you're trying to hide on the defensive end. So if you add Tyler Nickel to that rotation, you have Nickel, Love, R.J. Davis as guys you're trying to hide defensively. We saw in the first half, teams are, are essentially just trying to get R.J. Davis in, in pick and roll scenarios, and they're trying to get R.J. and Caleb Love in, in the post. Um, once once they're getting into those situations, like I mentioned earlier, it, it's essentially free points for the other team. And and when Carolina is struggling to shoot the ball, it, it's it's going to be tough to keep trying to play catch up with their inability to defend and their inability to shoot. Yeah, and that's, that, that is a bad combination bad formula, for college yeah. basketball or basketball and sports in general. If you can't do what you have to do to put points on the board, looking at Appleby, Six for 20 from the field. So you're like, okay, that's not bad. 0 for 6, um, you know, that's pretty good defense. He shot 28 free throws, Vip. And I know 10 or so of them were late, but I don't, I can't recall a point guard shooting 28 free throws. But to your point earlier about the drop coverage, it was a field day for the guy. He finished 35, 7 rebounds and 11 assists. One of the better games I've seen against North Carolina in a long time. And it's not surprising. What do you think about it? 
did you see anything that was surprising tonight? I guess that's the biggest thing, and that's where the 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 lack of faith that anything will change comes in for me. Yeah, I think I I just don't think this Carolina team is really that good. Um, you just kind of have to get it out of your mind. The the preseason number one, the Sports Illustrated cover we talked about last podcast being able to just assess what you're seeing on the court and how some of those things were, were the worst possible things that could happen for this Carolina team where everybody had, you know, myself included had this thought of this team of being one that could get back to the national championship instead of looking at the big picture and saying, you know, outside of a six week stretch, this is a team that has highs and they have lows and, for the most part, it, it seems like they do have more lows than highs. Um, but I, nothing when when you when you get the 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 covers and the preseason number one out of your head, and you, you are considering that this is an unranked team in the ACC, uh, a middle of the road ACC team. Uh, I don't I don't think there can really be anything that surprises you, whether whether it is the highs or whether it is the lows that that come with basketball. And then just going back to that, the drop coverage point, it's like, a, you know, a, a Chris Paul in the NBA when when you give him that coverage with with the center dropping back because, you know, you're not having somebody attached to his hip when you're when you're giving him that much space around the free throw line, he's going to be able to pick you apart. And you saw when. Wake did it to Carolina, you know, Carolina was, was settling for those mid range jumpers, which is exactly what they're kind of playing towards. Yeah. And folks in the chat or some people in the chat are saying we're being too negative. Well, Carolina just lost their third straight game in the ACC. They are currently 15 and nine and seven and six in the conference. If you believe in the bracketology mess, which I do not, um, which is ridiculous in the net and all that because Clemson's first in the ACC, yet they're 11 seed in this guy's. They're not going to be in the next black bracketology. They've got Clemson coming to town on Saturday, who is first in the ACC. Is there time to turn things around? There's always a chance. But North Carolina is trending in the wrong direction. Um, good thing they're 10-1 and one at home. Uh you know, they've got a home game coming up. So looking at the schedule and looking at all that, I think Carolina needs to get it done. What people fail to realize, I think, when they're watching some of these games, and it's what I've done as well, is Vip and Dewey and Justin, last time we did this, talked about how bad a basketball team Duke was. And everybody said Duke was bad, and then Miami blew Duke out. Well, Carolina lost to Duke, and they have to play Miami. Wake Forest is not a good basketball team. They have some good players. Um, right now, currently, according to the net, Vip, did you hear this discussion? Carolina's best win on the season by the metrics is Ohio State. I don't and understand those metrics. Doesn't I don't Michigan either. Have, doesn't Michigan have a better record and beat Ohio State head-to-head? Well, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand how it works, but this is what they look at. And Ohio State has a losing record. And somebody in chat said they beat North Carolina State. They did. They absolutely. And right now, just like in football, Duke was the best win. Right now, I think Carolina's win over NC State's their best win of the season. And they'll get that return game. Close us down. 
20 minutes in talking about a, a train wreck of a game. Um, good to see the, the guys that don't get to play as much get an opportunity to come in, get some time, make it a game or make it a, at least a less lopsided game on the scoreboard. Um, so there's some positives there. Um, but going forward, Vip, you got anything positive, man? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the positives are that two of your next games are, you know, against really tough teams in, in Clemson and Miami, but you do catch them at home. I think if you look at college basketball as a whole, you could see how hard it is to to win on the road in conference play. I don't think that's a, a Carolina-exclusive problem. I think that's a, a national problem in college basketball when you put kids that are in that 18 to 22 window in – new environments and uncomfortable environments, it's it's going to be tough for them. So I think the fact that they are coming back to Chapel Hill, that's that's a, a massive plus for them. But the, the part of their schedule is getting really tough right now. Clemson, Miami, at NC State, on the road at Notre Dame, home against Virginia, uh, Florida State, and then Duke to close it out. So this team is sliding right now, and they're still just getting into – the toughest part of their schedule, which, which isn't the best. Um, and for, for Carolina, I think you, you need to figure out how you are so lost defensively. And it's, it's not just a player thing. It's not just the coaching thing. It, it's a little bit of everybody. And um, I just think there needs to be some accountability and some um, looking in the mirror to, to try to figure this out and realize that, you know, team, teams are coming to give you their best shot every night. Indeed. Uh, accountability. That's a big thing. Um, we'll see if some of that carries over. Carolina had some positives there in the second half. The first half reminded me of roughly 20 years ago in uh, the 8-20 and 20 season, to be honest with you. And eight years ago today, Dean Smith passed. Um I can't imagine a Dean Smith team going through what this team is going through. But hyperbole, Brian Ives, Tyree Appleby's 23 made free throws are the most by any player in a game in ACC history. I knew I hadn't heard it before. And yeah, I'm getting I was going to say. <laughs> uh, you see, you said, has that ever happened? Your take, takes the record from York Larice against Duke in tw- with 21. Uh, Taylor Vipolis, I'm Tommy Ashley. Carolina Falls to Wake Forest. They got to get it turned around somehow. You mentioned winning on the road. Miami's five and four on the road, uh, thirteen and zero at home. So they're beatable on the road. Clemson four and three on the road. Uh, they're twelve and one at home. So they're definitely beatable on the road. Uh, and Carolina gets them both here coming up in the next week. We'll be right here to cover it inside Carolina. Adam Smith, Ross Martin at Winston taking care of all that. Jim Hawkins with the photos. Johnny T-shirt sponsoring us as Taylor Vipolis. Look forward to you and Justin break it all down in the near future. We'll be back on the beat live Thursday night. And then we'll talk about Carolina and Clemson on Saturday with Inside Carolina Live at 10 a.m. with Joey Powell. Taylor, always appreciate it. Thank you.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 